Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for a very special joint uh, broadcast of Zoom into Books from our friends at Headline Books and our Big Time Talker podcast powered by SpeakerMatch.com. I am in Washington, D.C. Our guest is in North Carolina. Ashley Belote is the illustrator of the book Franken Slime. And there she is with the new book. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Burke. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. Congratulations on Franken Slime. And there it is. I saw the best video ever of you opening the box of books for the very first time. Yes, yes, it was very exciting. There's nothing like seeing it for the first time. It's um, it's full of excitement as well as a, a few nerves because you want it to look as good as you hyped it up in your mind. And I am proud to report it is better than I even imagined. So I was very thrilled. <laughs> well, it's got to be hugely satisfying that something that, that pops out of your head goes full circle and then it becomes this book with a major publisher and, and there it is. Yes, yes. It's it's a dream come true beyond my wildest imaginations. And I've, I've really been looking forward to something like this literally my entire life. So I've been, you know, going to school for this and taking classes and going to conferences and everything. So all of that work has kind of culminated into this project. And I'm extremely proud and very excited to finally be able to share it with the world. Now, you're also going to share a whole bunch of really cool information with us today and fun stuff. I've got a bunch of questions. If you're watching or you're listening, you have questions, send them to us in the chat room. So let's dive in. I, I want to get started with you, Ashley, the illustrator. All right. Oh, so, right. So now you started, you said you started drawing when you were a kid. So so how, you, look at that. That book looks amazing. Franken Slime, by the way, written by uh, Joy Keller. Ashley is the illustrator. How old were you when you started drawing? Well, I was about two, according to my mom, who I've asked this question a lot. And they, uh, my parents were busy one day and I needed to be occupied somehow. So they handed me a crayon and put it in my hand and then, you know, made a circle and they're like, do this, do this. And I never put it down since then. So I've been always with a pencil in my hand or a crayon. Now I work on an iPad, so my Apple pencil, uh, so it's really just something that I have done my whole life and have been very fortunate to know what I wanted to do with my life. And that's definitely art. Um, I'm really not good at anything else. <laughs> so it was this or nothing. Glad this so, worked out then for everyone. Uh, yes. You and me both. <laughs> Ashley Below would have been living in a van down by the river, but now she's illustrating books all over the place. All right. Take us through the journey of, of being an illustrator. I want, I want to know everything. Absolutely. All right. So there you can see my fun cover. I'm so excited about this story. Um, so yes, I'll just take you through my journey of being an illustrator. So just to tell you a little bit about myself, I have obviously been drawing my whole life. I grew up in Northern West Virginia in a tiny town called Terra Alta. And being from Appalachia in a rural area, um, I spent a lot of time outside using my imagination. So it was very, I was very fortunate in that respect to have a lot of time to, to think and to create characters. Um, I majored in art in high school. I went to Preston High School, go Knights. And- Go Knights. Yes. And continued my um, study of art at Alderson Broadus University. And I did a dual track in drawing and painting while I was there. So learned a lot of basic fundamentals um, even if you major in fine art um, and change over to illustration, there's so many things that you learn in fine art that transfer over, um, you know, basics of character composition, composition, uh, color qualities. So there's all types of information that can again carry over from those two very different forms of art. I went to WVU for a year and majored in painting. And then that's when I really decided that illustration was the track <clears throat> that I wanted to pursue. So I enrolled in the whole book approach course um, instructed by an amazing author, Megan Dowd Lambert, that was taught through uh, the Simmons College Satellite Program at the Eric Carl Museum of Picture Book Art, which was amazing. Oh my goodness. So there's a picture of me in the Hungry Caterpillar at the museum. How old are you? Stop that. You're like uh, a kid that never grows up. That's amazing. I make picture books, Burke. I'm not supposed to grow up. 
I love it. Oh, uh, yes. Um, so then from there, I decided that I should have a bit of a business sense. So I got my master's in arts administration from the University of Kentucky. Um, a lot of nonprofit work and again, just some business, you know, ideas about business in general um, to kind of round out my education. And then I just apparently really love school because I decided that I still wasn't quite done and enrolled in an anime, a traditional animation um, course instructed by the amazing legend, Don Bluth. And you actually get to meet Don Bluth. Oh, you did really get to meet Don Bluth. That's him. Yeah. I did. <laughs> Wow. Now, now I'm an animation geek, so I know who Don Bluth is. But for people that may not recognize that name, uh, drop some Don Bluth on them and you, they'll know the movies. All right. You got it. The Land Before Time, first movie. That's all you need to know. He is a legend. Um, Secret of Nim is also a great one. Um, it's amazing when you Google his name and you see all these movies just start to drop and you're like, oh, yeah. I've seen that. I had no idea. And the fundamentals of animation have served me so well in illustration. Um, that kind of leads me into my, my next thing here. This is an example of one of my um, animations from my time in his course. And the thing that I think I learned um, that has served me, one of the best things I learned was, was staying on model. Um, it's really hard to make a character look like the same character when you draw it over and over again in different positions. And in animation, that is the core. You know, your character has to look the same, whether it's turning around, jumping, swimming, flying. And so learning to stay on model was extremely important. Um, and I don't know if you can see it, but there's a little 75 right here. So just to keep it in perspective, that 75 drawings that went into that little spread there um here's my Donald Duck Donald Duck yes <laughs> <laughs> so some great lessons um again just fundamentals of character design and staying on the model did he do all dogs go to heaven was that his too Don Luke? he like I said it's just amazing the things that he has been involved with and that he's still teaching he is very generous with um, with his time and with his knowledge and the program that I went through again has just has served me so well and the group that I took the course with we all still stay in touch um, some of us on social media and everything and we're spread all over the world um, right. when we met in person some people um, traveled to America for the first time um, to come to that class so we all just you know you work with people for a year you get to know each other and then we met for a year or for a, a week long, like intensive um, with him at the end of the program. So it's, it was an extremely rewarding experience. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of those fundamentals um, have really carried over. If you're just tuning in, by the way, maybe you're scrolling through and you, you caught us on Facebook Live or you're watching on YouTube or listening to the Big Time Talker podcast, Ashley Belote is our guest. And we're talking about illustrations and animation and all the fun stuff that, that keeps us eternal children. Um, uh, you've got some portfolio stuff. I want to take a look at that. And as we look at, at your portfolio, I'm going to ask a question that I'm sure lots of people have asked you before. And that is, do you think that, that having the ability and the skill to be an illustrator or a cartoonist or to be an animator, is that something you're born with? Do you have to have something in there that can be developed or can it all be taught? Can any of us do it? I honestly think that if you're born with a passion for it, then you can learn. Some people have, you know, just natural ability while other people don't. Right. But if you have a passion for it and you're willing to learn, you can improve. I, I think that you have to be passionate about it because if you're not, it's just a, it's so much work. It is long hours. It is frustrating sometimes there are so many moments of trial and error involved but if it's something that you really have a passion for then you can make it work um it's it, you know it's just like playing sports like the more you practice the better you're going to get 
Right. And as long as, like I said, as long as you have that fire, that passion to want to get better, then it is absolutely possible. It's mostly the, you have to be able to think of the concepts. I think a lot of this is mental, you know, you've got to be able to come up with the scenes that you, that you want to illustrate. And a lot of that happens organically by just doodling. So I think a lot of people, if they have hesitation about drawing, they do so because they think that the first thing they have to put on the paper has to be perfect, but that's absolutely not the case, which you'll see here in a few minutes when I get into my sketches, not everything starts out pretty. So as long as you're willing to practice and continue to work on it, then yeah, absolutely. So this new book, Frankenstein, that you did, you worked with an author that you didn't know. Um, And I'm not sure, have you ever met the author of that book? I have not. Joy is amazing. She's got a few other books out and um, her writing is so perfect for picture books because she sets up the scenes, but she leaves them open-ended for the illustrator, for me to bring some of my ideas in there. So it's not overwritten. I felt like I had plenty of room to illustrate, to bring in some additional thoughts and concepts and ideas um, that happen only in the artwork, um, without being mentioned in the text. So it it was, it was really neat. You know, I come from the, the independent publishing world where I have worked very closely with a lot of the authors. And so this was a completely different situation, but it was, it was really, really neat because I had complete creative freedom. Um, there were two art notes in the manuscript and nothing else. So it was, it was very neat to watch everything or kind of organically develop throughout the process. I want to look at some of your artwork here. Um, and if you, if you can put one up and, and while we take a look at this, you said something that, that triggered a question and that is, uh, you know, how, how difficult, how tough the job can be. You have to really be passionate about it. So what happens if um, you pour your heart and soul into something like this amazing picture we're looking at right now. And the author goes, nah, you know, I'm just not feeling it. No, I'd rather those be purple or whatever. Isn't that soul crushing? How do you overcome that rejection? Well, you know, being in art school, you develop a thick skin real quick. <laughs> there are these great things called critique meetings where you basically go in with a big group of people And we always call it like the Oreo critique where you give, you say something nice and you say something critical and then you say something nice (laughs) so that you kind of sandwich the bad in between the good. Um, Personally, that doesn't bother me. Um, I know that if somebody, my art director, for example, if they want to change, it will ultimately make the work better. Right. And they do this for a living. They are good at their job, obviously. And um, it's extremely important to listen to the powers that be because it will make the art better, which will make you look better. And I'll tell you, I learned so much doing Frankenslime. Oh my gosh, it was an amazing learning experience. And I have learned things through that story that I have then been able to apply to my additional artwork after that book and um, just in my like personal work in general. So it's not as so it's not very soul crushing, I promise. It's just a fact of life. You know, if somebody wants something different, you just say, okay, and then you change it and you move on. <laughs> all, right, all right, good, good. What are we looking at here? So these are just some pieces from my portfolio. Um, it's very important when you're an illustrator and you're trying to get work to assemble a portfolio that you can have either, you know, we're in this virtual world still, Um, and we as illustrators need always to have an online presence, you know, website, your Instagram page is a great portfolio tool. Um, but also, you know, as things are starting to reopen, we will be going back to conferences and there's, um, some amazing opportunities at conferences to show your work. So it's important to just create a body of illustrations that kind of show the type of work that you would like to be hired for. Um, A lot of my stuff is funny. Um, I tend to go on the cuter, whimsical side of things. Um, That's where, you know, that's my passion. That's my type of style. Um, You know, if, if an illustrator is really good at drawing cars and you want to be hired for 
um, picture books about cars, fill your portfolio with cars. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you have to showcase what you want to be hired for. So if you don't like to draw flowers, then don't fill your portfolio with flowers, because again, that's not what you're passionate about. That's not what you want to work in. So, but I think that, you know, as illustrators, you, you kind of get a sense of that as you're creating work. And so you kind of know the, the type of illustrator you are and how you want to present yourself to potential clients. Um, it's important to show a lot of diversity in your characters and your settings, um, just to show that you can do a multitude of different things. You don't want to be pigeonholed into just, to just drawing flowers, for example, you know, you want to show a little bit of versatility. Um, you know, even if you do just fill your whole portfolio with cars, show, you know, bird's eye view, worm's eye view, multiples, um, crowd scenes, spot illustrations. There's a lot of ways that you can make your portfolio interesting, um, even if it's all based around the same type of subject matter. So I see what you mean in, in diversity and the differences that you show, obviously uh, diverse uh, young people there. Mm-hmm. How diverse do you go? So, for example, you're obviously you're a talented young lady, and you can probably uh, illustrate many different styles. If you could do, for example, superheroes or something that was dark and menacing, a dark Batman, would you put it up there, or is that too far outside your personal brand? Uh, if, if you were, you know, giving advice to another illustrator, if you want to have sort of a thing that you're known for a style that you're known for, or do you want to have a whole bunch of different things you can draw that you're good at? That's a great question. I think that it depends on, it depends on the illustrator. Um, For me personally, again, you can see that all of my things are geared for a young audience, Um, you know, cute kind of whimsical things. If I was asked to draw some type of superhero book, I would absolutely try. I think that as illustrators in our industry, you've got to be willing to kind of step outside of your comfort zone if somebody has asked you to do that. And, you know, you'll oftentimes discover something about yourself. Like I know with Frankenstein, um, you know, throughout the revision process, it pushed me. It really did, you know, pushed me outside of my comfort zone to try different angles, to try different types of scenes. And I wouldn't have done that otherwise. So that was a great lesson. And so, yeah, I think if, you know, if you want to show a range of subject matter, that's great. In terms of styles, that's a tricky one because a lot of times if you work digitally and with watercolor, for example, it's kind of hard to make a cohesive portfolio because those two things look so different from each other. So a lot of times if you're creating a portfolio, it's helpful if you can, and this again is kind of a general thing. There are of course exceptions to this, but in general, it's kind of nice to show one style fully because you would rather do one thing really well than a few things just okay. Right. And I bet there are lots of folks, and I would be one of them, who are, are watching or listening that, that are curious about, uh, you, you talked about using a digital pencil and, and working on an Apple device. Is that the way uh, books and animation are all done exclusively now? Is, is the, the pencil and the paper, is that a you know, thing of the past? Is that out there with buggy whips and typewriters now? <laughs> I honestly don't know what a buggy whip is. I know oh, what a typewriter is. <laughs> oh boy. I, <laughs> I think that the pencil and paper will always be around. I still sketch traditionally. That's, you know, your, your um, pencil and paper and pen. Um, a lot of illustrators still work traditionally, um, you know, with hand created watercolors, collage, Um, That is absolutely not a thing of the past. It's just a different type of technique um, that you can use. A lot of people have gone the digital route. Um, I personally love digital because um, you can get such a a unique color quality, whereas oftentimes, you know, watercolors tend to be muted. um, And I just, I love the versatility and the ease that comes with digital coloring because you can you can practice so many different things um you can experiment a lot more i think with digital it's also nice because when you are creating digital work to send it to your publishing house all you have to do is upload it because 
that's already on a digital device. Um, whereas traditional work needs to be scanned and stuff, but that's, you know, that's a minor thing in retrospect. Um, there are some beautiful books out there that are done with traditional media. Um, so again, it's just kind of personal preference. I know that when I first started working, I have a Wacom tablet, um, which is just another, it's just a drawing tablet. But when I first got that, I felt so at home and so excited. And I know a lot of people who actually use both. Um, they will create a piece that starts traditional. They'll pull it into Photoshop, use a Wacom tablet to accent some colors, to bring out some intensity, um, to fix certain mistakes. Photoshop is great for fixing mistakes. <laughs> so it's there's a lot of artists out there who are kind of hybrid in between traditional and digital. Ashley Belote is our guest today on Zoom in the Books and the Big Time Talker podcast powered by Speaker Match. Uh, you can visit her at ashleybelote, B-E-L-O-T-E dot -E com and check out our portfolio on Instagram. She's on Twitter too, at ashleybelote1. Um, I, you know, I don't know everything you've got up here, but I wonder if you could kind of walk us through this. Uh, I want you to pull the curtain back like yeah. the Wizard of Oz and show us how all this works. So if you get a gig, um, you know, somebody says, yeah, I want you to, to draw a children's book, you know, where does it all begin? I am very excited about this. This is so much fun. Um, yes, I would love to show you kind of like the behind the scenes um, process of how a picture book is made. So this is obviously the end result here. This is the um, cover <laughs> back front and back of Frankenslime. I love it. Oh. It's fantastic. It's alive. It is. And I will tell you, I was so excited when I first opened my box because the title and the words on the back are actually in glitter on the actual book. And that was so much fun to see. I didn't know that was going to happen. So that was a nice little surprise there. So now, when does the book come out? Before we get into this, uh, Frankenslime is, is due for release around Halloween. Is that right? No, actually, it comes out in less than one week. So that that way it can everybody can get it before Halloween. So that oh, it's a summertime release. So it'll be in bookstores in July. It will be released on July thirteenth. Yes, so less in six days, which is very very exciting. I just I can't believe that it's here already, and uh, just to be able to see it on bookshelves is just going to be amazing. <laughs> All right. So so Joy Keller, the author, writes Frankenslime. Mm -hmm. She uh, submits it through her agent to her publisher. And the publisher is who? The publisher is Bible and Friends. They are an imprint of Macmillan. Okay. So Bible and Friends and Macmillan. And uh, they say, we love this book, Joy. We're going to, to release it. Uh, you need an illustrator. And then how does Ashley Belote and Joy Keller come together for Macmillan? Well, lucky for me. I am a member of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and I have been since 2016. Um, again, you know, I've gone to art school. I have taken classes. I have worked and worked and worked towards this goal. Um, it is a commitment of time, energy, creativity, and perseverance to get into this business. Um, I traveled to several um, SCBWI conferences over the years. And at conferences, they conduct portfolio reviews and manuscript critiques often. And I had a manuscript critique with my art director, um, Mallory Grigg from Macmillan. And so she critiqued my portfolio and she did a seminar for illustrators and I attended. And she said that she, she first of all, is amazing. I, again, have learned a tremendous amount from her um, working with her on this book. And she mentioned that she hires illustrators off of Twitter often. And she is amazing, not only for her ability to design, but for the opportunity that she presents for illustrators. She is so open and very transparent. And she has a great social media presence on Twitter. And so she mentioned that she had just sent out a call for illustrators who can draw anthropomorphic slime. And so for those of you who don't know, that means um, anthrop anthropomorphic is when you give human-like qualities to something that's not human. So it was to draw basically a slime character. So I made a little sample. I tweeted it at her 
and um, I ended up getting getting the deal. So, so oh, wait a minute. So so the rest of us, we put a resume in for a job. And they want to know how many words you can type per minute. <laughs> they want to make sure you've got a, a good driver's license, maybe a CDL or, you, you know, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer. You got a job because you could draw slime with human-like characters. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> and again, that is why I have one of the most fun jobs in the world. I spend my day creating these hilarious scenes and these fun characters. Again, it is a lot, a lot of work. But again, that's what, you know, what I was getting to earlier about the fact that you have to have passion for this because it sure. takes a lot. Um, it's, it's definitely a passion fueled project. <laughs> Wow. All right. All right. So, so I interrupted you. You were telling me about how this all worked with Joy Keller and you got the job sort of via Twitter because you can draw slime with human qualities. Yep. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? So I get the manuscript and from here I make a bunch of notes. Um, I just kind of comment on different things that I want to highlight. And then I start making um, some character design choices. Again, I had my original tweet included the character who is Victoria, the main character, little girl scientist from the story. So I had her down pretty well, but these are the sketches that I had done um, prior to submission just to try to, um, to highlight, you know, a little girl scientist. I, I love, you know, to female empowerment. So, you know, we need a girl scientist out there. And then Igor um, kind of came after. I got the manuscript. So I played around. You can see I went through several different designs for Igor. Um, you've got to have, this is again, something that I learned from Don Bluth is every single frame of a character needs to be appealing. So I ended up with that little guy on the right. Um, and again, then I tried to see what it would be like to pair them together. So a few more designs and then ended up with this final version. Um, I knew that I wanted Igor to be quirky. Um, I mean, his name's Igor. So right off the bat, he is already quirky. <laughs> right, so, right. yeah. So I gave him two different shaped eyes. You know, you can see down here, he has a little eye and a big eye. And he has a chunk taken out of his, his ear over here. So, <laughs> you know, it's just anything that can make a character like iconic and fun and funny because he's definitely the comic relief. Um, present throughout this story. So he's just, he is such a good sport too. I'll tell you, I put him through all kinds of stuff and he never complains, not one time. <laughs> does, does it, with Igor and, and what's the, the young girl character? Vic Victoria. So with, with Igor and Victoria, how much direction did you get from the author or from the publisher? Did they say, you know, Victoria is this age or uh, she's heavy, she's thin? Did Igor, did they tell you, you know, what breed of dog? How much latitude did you have with this? So with Victoria, um, they liked the original sketch that I had submitted. So she was kind of set. Um, for Igor, they gave me like two, they suggested two different breeds of dog that it could be. So I just kind of started to draw each of those individually. And then I would take portions of each sketch that I liked and then kind of mash them together to create Igor. Um, and then, you know, adding the little, um, I didn't want to put clothes on Igor or anything because he's, you know, I needed him to be like the pet, the pet figure. So I just gave him some accessories, you know, that little collar and his little safety goggles there to match hers. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where they, they really gave, um, creative freedom to me to really experiment. And if I had done something that they thought could be better, they would have told me there, you know, there's a lot of sketches that I did uh, multiple times that again, I'm always happy to revise because it will ultimately end up better. Multiple times. How, mm -hmm. how many times, how many sketches of these two characters did you do before we see the final version here? So uh, it was, it was a few pages. I was, you know, these, these characters after reading Joy's story, again, she's just a brilliant writer. And the way that she talks about the characters in the book really gives you, it gave me anyway, a great visual of how the two of them would interact. You know, Victoria is obviously the lead. She's the, 
the one who initiates the experiments and Igor's just kind of there to help and do what he can. And as you can see from like the shark tooth slime, he's often the butt of these, these visual jokes here. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's just, a, it's a lot of trial and error, but I would say that I went through, you know, maybe 15, 20 character designs for Igor before I was satisfied um, with him. Cause I, again, I wanted him to be like, to be bendy and fun and I could, you know, mold him into several different um, types of positions so that he would be funny um, and appealing, you know, always, always thinking of the appeal. And I see the chunk out of Igor's ear that you talked about and, and the difference in the size eyes. Is that direction that comes from an art director or the author or those ideas that you come up with and you throw them out there and they sign off on them? Yep, that was from me. Um, they again, they really liked. They really liked the character. Um, I didn't have to do um, much revision with with Igor. It was mostly a lot of the revision came in terms of like the setting versus the actual characters themselves. And Victoria, did they tell you how old she was? Uh, did they talk about ethnicity ahead of time? Uh, um, no. No, I have been diverse. I love drawing diverse characters. I think every child should be able to see themselves in a picture book. And as illustrators, um, you know, we have the privilege of being able to make that happen. And so again, I'm just so honored to be a part of this project. And again, I just think that if every kid can see themselves in a picture book, then you have succeeded. So with Victoria, um, I typically draw to the picture book age anyways. So I knew that she needed to be old enough to be able to, to read and write because she needed to write down these recipes, write down ideas, but, I, but she still had to appeal to the picture book audience. So I needed her to, to stay as young as possible. Um, the, the age range on the book is four to eight, um, but even younger kids will still like to look at it. You know, little kids just love pictures. So they don't really, um, it doesn't really matter if it's for like, you know, even younger, um, cause the, the pictures are just fun. And even if they don't understand the story, it's something that they can grow into. Um, but I just wanted her to be appealing to that age group. Ashley Belote is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast powered by Speaker Match, and zoom into books from our pals at Headline Books. Her new book is Frankenslime. She's the illustrator. Joy Keller is the author. It's out in July in bookstores everywhere, online, Amazon, and barnesandnoble.com. And, and I bet if you visit ashleybelote.com, she'll tell you how you can get it there too. All right, what else cool can you show us here? Okay, so we will go through the sketch revision process here. So this is my very, very early sketch of one of my favorite spreads in the book. Um, this is where Victoria has grown bored with creating what she calls dull slime and where she decides to start to experiment <laughs> and go really crazy with her ideas. So this was my initial concept. Again, it's extremely rough. And if any of you out there are contemplating getting into illustration and you think that everything that you draw has to be perfect, look at this because this is very far from perfect. <laughs> and did you do this uh, with the digital, what do you call it, a digital pencil? Yes, I have an iPad Pro and I do all of my work in Procreate with an Apple pencil. And I, I sometimes still sketch traditionally um, if I'm just like thumbnailing or getting some concepts out, but then I'll move to digital because when you work digitally, you can use different layers in your files. So if you draw something and you're not sure about it, you can hide that layer, draw something else, and then change your mind and then bring that layer back. So it allows you to have the freedom of true experimentation, um, just like Victoria. So this, uh, so again, this is the very first version of um, one of my favorite spreads. So then I clean it and up. Who sees that, Ashley? Does anybody see that? Like <laughs> you? Just, just you guys today. <laughs> but, <laughs> so that never makes it to the author. You no. like do lots of cleaning up and a lot more before you get it. To no, <laughs> I mean you can see that there is quite a bit of difference between the two. But yeah. again. This is where the magic starts. You know, you've got to just get your ideas out there. Do not be afraid about what it looks like because you, you'll clean it up. A lot of times I'll get ideas like boom, 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 right back to back in my head. So I just jot everything down. And sometimes I'll write across my images. 
and like, you know, to revisit that later. So then I can take my time and clean it up. And I've got all these, I had so much fun naming all of these like funny, I love humor and picture books and like little notes and little signs can really do a lot for you with humor. So, you know, I've got pickle slime, I've got upside down slime, I've got, you know, Oh, there's I'm bored slime down there. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's, it is so much fun. And again, they just, they give you such, they gave me such creative freedom. Um, so, so this was my, this was my first one. And then, um, as I was going back and reviewing my sketches, I realized one big thing that I forgot to leave room for the text. Oops. Ah, <laughs> so yeah. The yeah. text is very important in a picture book. Yes. Very important. So obviously a little bit of revision had to happen. So I took out a few, um, and then ended up ultimately with this um, as the submitted sketch. So I go through every spread and essentially go through that same process. And then um, I did three rounds of revisions. Again, every time it got better and better, I learned more. Um, and then when your sketches are approved, then you get to go to color. And that's when they really start to pop. Oh, wow. Yes. So the difference is amazing when you just flip back and forth. Um, it's, it is so much fun. Um, and again, to just have a team behind you is incredible. Um, because again, the whole book just elevated. Um, how did you know how much space to leave for the text for the words? Um, the art director just kind of let me know where she wanted to put it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, sometimes like, you know, as you're sketching, it's important. Um, and following that little issue that I had, I, um, was more conscious of it. It's important to kind of leave room in your illustration for the text from the beginning. And then if the art director, um, thinks that it should be somewhere else, you can make adjustments, but a lot of times they'll take their cue from, you know, just like the, the empty space on your spreads. Cause it's important to have a place oftentimes for your eye to rest in a busy picture, because again, this is very, very busy. Um, so you've got some room to rest in these sections here, as well as down here, but this is actually where some of the text was going as well, down here on her desk. So and will sometimes actually, will, will there be a different artist who does the coloring than the illustrating? Is that sometimes two different individuals or no? Um, it can be in very special cases, but generally um, with picture books and the type that I'm working in, it's it's the same artist. Mm -hmm. So you get to do both. Neat. Yes, yes. Um, and they, again, I did a few different color samples. My color started off a bit mature um, for the spreads. So the art director said, think more candy store type color. So I, again, you know, learned a lot there, shifted my, my color palette and ultimately ended up with something that everybody was very happy with. Um, the, these are my end pages. So, um, for those of you who don't know, like the parts of a picture book, the end pages are when you first open up the book, the part that's like pasted down in this first page here that actually turns. Um, and for, illustrators to me this is like prime real estate right here I mean how fun is that it's just completely blank like and it's really an opportunity to start the story before the story actually starts so it can serve as an opportunity to provide some like clues as to what the audience will be seeing when they actually start to go through the story so again so much fun making up all of these different types of slime and you know, again, you can see the vast difference that happens sure. when you start to, to add the color. So, so much fun. Oh, that looks great. Thank you. Um, so this next one, this is one of the ones that I had the most revisions for. Um, so I had to illustrate Victoria creating rainbow cloud slime, intergalactic space slime, and glow-in-the-dark zombie slime. And that's and, all it, right there. That's your direction. Yes. So... I, and just so you know, there are actually recipes in the back of the book for these three different types of slime that you can make at home. So, Good to know. All right, I'm in. Okay, so round one, we had up in the left would be rainbow slime, 
Um, bottom left is intergalactic space slime. And on the right, that would be my zombie slime. Um, the art director's feedback was it needed to look more like a combined space, like they had a relationship to each other. Um, again, great note. So this was my second attempt. Um, so again, I have the clouds kind of serving as clouds down here in this space area. And then the zombie slime just kind of oozing over and kind of taking over this side. Um, the feedback on this version was that they would have loved to see the stars go all the way across and um, ultimately ended up with this sketch. And again, it's a great note because it really makes your eye kind of travel um, right. up through and then end up down here with the zombie slime. Um, and again, it's just, it's amazing how much um, I learned just in those three options alone. And again, then you add color and the whole thing just comes to life. Wow. So that was one of the, um, that's one of the best learning experiences that I had. And um, there's actually a sequel to Frankenslime called Valenslime that's coming out in November. Valenslime. <laughs> yes, Valenslime, yes. Um, so I actually used a lot of this, the direction that I received when creating the images for that book. So a lot of my spot illustrations, um, so these are, I should tell you. Um, so spot illustrations are where you have like, you know, one thing happening here, a second spot happening here, a different spot. So you show like three different moments in time on, um, you know, it doesn't have to be three, but you show multiple moments in time happening on the same spread. Um, so again, but they, even though they're separate moments, you can see they still kind of work together just a bit. So again, I took that concept and applied it to my um, my sketches in the next book. Wow, this is great. Ashley Belote is our guest today. We're talking about Franken Slime, her brand new book that she's illustrated. It's out uh, later in July from Macmillan and uh, Joy Keller is the, the author. Uh, AshleyBelote.com is where you can find her online. And she's at Instagram and Twitter and uh, all over the internet now. Look at this. What, what are we seeing here? So the cover, we have arrived at the cover. So the cover is everybody's first introduction to your book. So it's very right. important. This was my very first cover concept um, and went through a couple more. And so ultimately ending up with this one. And this is so great because it really focuses on the character. It hones in on her. It shows Igor in the background. So you automatically know who the main character is who the secondary supporting supporting character is, and a little bit about what's going to happen. You see her holding some slime. Again, you just get all these hints. So we ultimately ended up with that and um, then played around with some different color concepts, some different type of like background designs here, and yeah. ultimately ended up with this, this color scheme and this overall design in general. So the, the slide right before this one, Ashley, there were differences. And it's like the thing you see uh, in the newspaper, in magazines or online, where you have to try to pick out little things that are different. Yes, exactly. So and I'd love it if you would leave that up on the screen for a second, because sure. I, I think this is one of those situations where um, most of us don't realize how many different iterations go into a silly little kid's book about slime, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so fun though. Like it's like solving a mystery or something. It's trial and error to me is extremely fun because with every attempt you learn something and it's kind of like with my character design, you know, I'll sketch several different options, but then take the elements that I like from each one and combine them into one thing. So, you know, try different colors for the background, different colors for the title. Um, and ultimately, like I said, ended up with, um, with this one. And um, the art director's note was to create a little bit of like texture um, because the background was originally this like flat color. And so I just added a little bit of this like shading behind it to make it seem like it has a little bit more depth to it. And even just a small note like that can really change a lot. Um, so again, I just, I cannot tell you how much I learned um, throughout this entire process. <laughs> how much of the decisions that go into what we finally see 
we go to the bookstore um, are subjective and how much of it is there a consensus where you look at all these different iterations and and everybody says yeah there's no question this is what it should be because I would have to think that a lot of, of art in general is very subjective it is it is books are subjective art is subjective it's just the nature of the industry um you know, not everybody's going to like everything that you make. And that's, again, something that you learn very early on, um, just kind of in life in general, you know, it's like, just like with people. Um, and, but with a book like this, um, these books are so successful because of the teamwork that's involved behind the scenes, you know, the, you know, marketing is involved, the art director is involved, the editor is involved. I don't even know who else would be involved. You know, there's so much that happens um, even beyond myself, you know, I submit things and then I just get, I get feedback, you know, I don't know who said what, but I just know that, you know, it's, it's my job to deliver something that they feel will be successful, which again is why it's so important to listen to these people. Um, there's, you know, unless you feel very strongly, um, I, I am, never not going to listen to the art director because again like you just learn everything and it's it's what they're that's what they're there for they're there to guide you um and ultimately create the best book possible you know a great takeaway from this conversation for me is that you continue to learn and you you have you know humpty hump different degrees from a million different schools and you kind of look like a professional student there for a while like you're never going to graduate i know Um, but but now you're doing it and you're still learning from the art director at McMillan, and you're still learning from the authors that you work with. And yes. I think that's fantastic. I love the look of Frankenstein. Congratulations. Thank you, Thank you so much. <laughs> so now it is your turn, audience. What? Yes, we are going to learn to draw Igor. All right, so I'm ready, I'm ready. All right, so all, you, all that you all need is a piece of paper and a pencil. And again, there's a replay if you all like, you know, aren't prepared for this, I understand. Um, and a lot of people think that they aren't good artists and that drawing is hard and everything, which again, the more you do, the better you'll get. Okay. But drawing can be easy if you break everything down into shapes. You know, if you look around your house at a lamp, that lamp is comprised of shapes. If you look at, you know, just objects in general, there's so many shapes around us. So if you break things down into shapes, it's really fun. So we're going to start with Igor here. Um, Again, I'm drawing in Procreate on my iPad. I have my Apple Pencil with my Apple Pencil Gripper on there. Um, These are very nice tools if you do draw digitally. They're like $7 online or something. Um, Help prevent arthritis for your fingers. That's very important. That's good. Yes. Okay. So we're going to start out with a box. So just draw a simple square for the base of Igor's head. Now, next we're going to come in with an oval and this is going to be his muzzle area there. And see already, even with just these two shapes, you can see Igor kind of coming out there. Um, You go off, offset this circle, this oval just a little bit. And then we're going to bring in a triangle right here for his nose. And two more triangles up top for his ears. All right. All right. Now, we're gonna start with his eyes. So we ha- we're gonna do his tiny eye first. So it's just like a little sideways oval, the little circle. And whenever you're drawing pupils, you always wanna leave that little white speck because that will bring life into your image. Then we're gonna do his big eye here. And whenever you've got a character with two different sized eyes, it can look strange if you add the pupil in the wrong place. So you wanna try to keep your pupils along a linear line. So you can see that mine kind of match up here. So it's important to try to kind of keep those in line and that'll make your character look normal. All All right, right. we're gonna add our eyebrows. Eyebrows are a fantastic way to get expression into your characters. So never discount the eyebrows. There's, they can tell they can tell stories of their own. Eyebrows right. are important. Okay, got it. They are, yes. So now we're going to kind of soften our line here on the outside edge of his head and also kind of curve this top line. Again, you can kind of start seeing Igor come to life. 
Now this line over here on the right side is going to stay straight. And this is something that I learned in animation is a balance of hard and soft. Um, straight lines tend to be hard, curved lines tend to be soft. And if you pair these together, that combination just creates such appealing images. So you've got this straight line paired with this soft line here. Got okay. It. So now we are going to add his safety goggles. Safety first. They're playing safety with first. lots of different things. So we want to bring our curved line right around his eyes here so that we have his safety goggles and then just a little strap to kind of connect them um, to his head so that they'll stay on. All right, now we're gonna play with Igor's mouth a little bit. So we're gonna accentuate his cheek on this side and then bring in his big smile this way. And the rest of that will be his, like the bottom of his jaw. So you can just draw a straight line there and then just kind of connect it back. So now we just have to play with his ears a little bit and then we can move into the body. So we just need to play with our triangle, just kind of bring it down, make it come to a point and then add that fold over and just do the same thing to the other side. Add your fold over on that side. And of course we have to take out the chunk of his ear. So just erase a little bit on that left side and add your little concave line to make that his um, characteristically funny looking section there. All right, and now we're just gonna draw a line here because he's got some patches of gray and some patches of white. So that'll just, um, once you take this, you can add some color to it. Again, when you're drawing a character, you want them to be interesting, but you don't want them to be distracting. So right. it's just a little, you know, a little quirk of his, um, some different colors happening there. So now we're gonna move right into his body. So his body super easy is just a triangle. So just sit that, sit his head on top of a triangle. And we're gonna, he's going to be sitting down. So now we're gonna draw some more triangles, one for his leg, one for his foot, one for his other leg and his other foot. All right, so again, we can bring in um, some more triangles to the front. So just draw like an upside down or like a V and two more for his front feet. And again, before we even add details, you can already see that he is here. So we're just gonna soften our leg lines a little bit. So just kind of curve there, add little um, lines here to show his legs are bent. Soften this part. We and then, big. Yeah. And then add some little curves at the end of the, at the end of his feet for his toes. And we're good. So then you've got his little feet sticking out in front here and draw one line to kind of separate his two front legs. And then you can add this little curve to show his body there. And then the last part is his neck. He does have a little bit of a neck. So a curve line up here underneath of his head followed by a second one. And then his body just curves out from behind it. Again, he's got a little bit of a hunchback like the real Igor so that you can kind of you know, connect that to reality if you've seen the original one. So then you can clean him up from there, add some color and you have an Igor. Look at that, you have an Igor. You have an Igor. <laughs> and Ashley, I want you to know, I also have an Igor. Oh my gosh, Burke, you did a fabulous job. Huh? I love it. It's amazing how simple drawing can be if you just break it down into shapes. <laughs> That's great. So I, I kept waiting for you to add a happy little tree, but there was no happy little tree. You know, all dogs love trees. So you feel free to add as many happy little trees in the background as you think Igor needs. <laughs> hey, um, I, I know we're running on time here. I have two more questions for you. And then if, if you're watching or you're listening and you have a question, be sure to send it in for Ashley in the chat room. I'm sure she'd be happy to stick around and answer them. Um, other people that you went through this animation course, what are they doing with it? And are there any names that you can drop? Oh, so there's um, there's a lot of people who are 
in different areas of art now. Um, some of them have gone in further into animation. Um, you know, I went the illustration route right. and there's some that have gone the writing route. Um, you know, we learned a lot about the makeup of a story in, in that course. Um, and then Don Bluth's um, assistant, um, Laval Lee, he is an amazing artist and he is going on to do some amazing things. Again, he works with him anyway. So he was kind of like the moderator of our classes and he helped us out a lot. And um, he, he is doing some, some big things now. So it's, again, it was just such an amazing experience that I will cherish forever. And again, it's, it's the relationships um, that have really been fun to watch. So if you go into illustration, book illustration, do you ever cross back into animation or, or other disciplines or writing? I mean, can you do all of these things? So I have actually um, been contracted for some author illustrator projects, which is really fun. Um, I've got um, one coming out with Fievel and Friends next year called Listen Up Luella about an elephant. And so I wrote and illustrated that book. Uh, so again, it's, it is fun because as an illustrator, um, oftentimes you'll create characters and not really know what to do with them. And so being able to write a story around them now, um, I get a lot of encouragement from my agent, um, Mo Ferreira from Bookends. Um, she is so nice and um, excited whenever we talk and when we email and everything. And she always just encourages me to, to keep trying and she'll give me feedback. And um, again, I, I don't mind revising at all because I know that any type of feedback I get is just gonna make my work better, so. Very good. and and. Let's wrap up with, with the nuts and bolts of it, the business end uh, of being an illustrator. If someone's watching now, they're listening and they think, you know, I've got a passion to do this or I have a skill or people have always told me that my art is really good and maybe I should do this for a living. Give us some, some of the business end because you actually took some, some education on that too. It, it's more than just having that skill, right? And, and, and even just having that passion, it starts there. But then what? What can you tell us about the business end of being an illustrator? I can say that it all comes down to perseverance and a willingness to take direction. Um, again, I have found that joining different types of writing groups, um, illustration groups has been extremely helpful to kind of get in groups of people with your like passion. Um, again, SCBWI is great. Um, I'm part of another group called um, 12 by 12 Picture Book Challenge where the challenge is that you write 12 drafts in 12 months of a picture book. Um, that is a great organization. There's also KidLit411 on Facebook. They are great. Um, there's tips, there's questions, there's celebrations, there's everything that goes along. There's commiserating, there's venting, <laughs> there's everything that comes along with this, you know, this industry. Um, so I would say that, that joining some groups is a great place to start for the networking. Um, and again, joining critique groups is something that I have found. I have fabulous critique groups. Um, I'm in a few different writing ones and a few different illustrating ones. Um, obviously with the pandemic, we didn't meet in person. We meet via Zoom, uh, which is fine. Um, and we just send our manuscripts. If it's my writer's group, we just send our manuscripts around we make notes, we get together in person and talk about those notes. And it's amazing what happens when you brainstorm with just one person or a couple more people. So I'd say that if you, if you really want to, you know, jump, jump into this with both feet, um, the best way to do that is, is with a community behind you and supporting you. So I cannot say enough about the importance of um, finding that community and um, really just immersing yourself in in the critique process, the revision process. And um, again, just to kind of become friends with those people who share your same, your same goals. You can make a living doing this, but yes. you have to have perseverance. You do. It's like with everything else, you know, every industry you have to work hard in. And um, the fun thing about illustration is that like, it's like, yes, it's competitive, you know, like everybody wants to do book projects and everything. But when when one of us from my illustration group, like, you know, gets some type of um, deal or something, we're all so happy. And it's because in, in illustration, everybody's work is different. You know, it's not like you and the person next to you can make the same thing. 
So everybody is, you know, it's kind of a level playing field in terms of the ideas because nobody else can come up with the same ideas that you, that you can. So it's, again, it's just so much fun. It's a, such a fun industry to be involved with. And I just feel so blessed to be, to be able to do it. I love to see somebody passionate about what they do. And the proof is right there beside you. Frankenslime. <laughs> Illustrated by Ashley Belote in bookstores in July, online at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get books. And uh, I know you're going to be out there signing books and greeting people. And uh, the follow-up, Slime, is due uh, later this year as well. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Bark. I really appreciate it. <laughs> what a fun edition of Zoom Into Books and the Big Time Talker podcast. Thanks to our guest, Ashley Belote. Thank you for watching and listening. Thank you, Speaker Match, for sponsoring the show. Wherever you go, whatever you do, make it a great day. Slime somebody. Bye now.